Welcome to Backstory and Beyond with your host, Ward Kampf, seeker, innovator, and president of Northwood Retail. As Ward travels the country, he'll share the industry insights he's gained over a three decades long retail career, introduce you to trailblazing business leaders and disruptive founders, and uncover the real deal about some of the greatest cities in the world. This week, Ward is in Manhattan with Alex Faraday, co-founder of the family-led clothing brand Faraday. They'll discuss how a childhood dream became a global fashion brand, where to draw the line between inspiration and appropriation, and why a great retail experience starts with the front line. All that and more on this episode of Backstory and Beyond. Hi, we're in New York City today. I'm with Alex Faraday of Faraday. Uh, he and his brother Mike started Faraday in 2013. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, great to be here. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're in Manhattan, one of the greatest cities in the country. You and your brother are from this part of the world. You grow up in New Jersey on the shore. It seems like you were always around the beach it just feels like that became ingrained in you guys. And it felt like you guys were part of the surf culture. And all of a sudden, you know, you blow it up into a clothing line. Yeah, my twin brother, Mike, were identical twins. And he just had an affinity for, it started with sneakers. Like uh, when we were like really young, like he started loving sneakers and like matching outfits to sneakers. And, and then, you know, the big thing that happened for us was like, you know, so we grew up in this little beach town couple thousand people you know surfing was like the main activity and then we ended up moving to new york city because my dad was commuting to work in new york and just decided he didn't want to commute so we moved to new york city and all of a sudden like we were like the surfer dudes you know like that lived in new york city right and like that was like a stereotype that uh that people would call us and so i think we were like oh that's our style like that's our identity you know living in new york and then my dad liked clothes too and so we started going to department stores in New York City and being like, well, we kind of like those clothes that we grew up with, but these clothes feel really nice. The ones you find at the New York City department stores. And it was like, we got, and it started happening in high school where we were like, there's something here. And and Mike actually wrote his college essay when he was 18 to get into college on starting Faraday. So since then it was like, we're going to do this one day. And uh, so a little bit of like where we grew up, how we ended up in New York, all kind of came together to, to make this thing like an idea. So as you go away, Mike goes, comes back and works for Ralph Lauren. You're on Wall Street. And about 10 years ago, it looks like Mike had the fashion, you know, down, was kind of seeing what was happening in the streets. You're on Wall Street. And then 2013, it's like you guys both gave the middle finger to the corporate world and said, you know, we're all in. We're going to go do this. And our dream is our dream. And just tell me what that was like. Cause that's a big, that's a yeah. life decision, man. You're, you know. Yeah, it was a difficult decision. Definitely for me specifically coming from, from a finance job, I, I got paid well. You know, there's like, I guess you could kind of look at it and see there's a pretty easy trajectory to have, I guess, a lot of, fun, you know, financial success. And, uh, you know, I'd ask advice and from people who maybe, maybe who were in the, in the industry or I worked with there. Like, this is, a, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, starting a fashion company with your brother, like, look, you know, look at your job. Like, that's just stupid. 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's stupid. I was like, I, I, I think, I, you know, I had this bond with my brother. We'd been talking about it for so long and he was going to do it no matter what, right? Like you're a designer at Ralph Lauren and, you know, he's a talented kid. He's super driven. So I think he always, I think no matter what, he would have figured some way to like have his own brand. It may not have been, you know, what it is today. But then it's Mike. It's like we, you know, we grew up, we were in a room together. We slept in the same bedroom for 18 years. Like just, there's a bond we have that was like, if we got to do this together. And uh, so the choice ended up being, you know, definitely like taking that mindset of like the financial thing versus just like, this is my passion. This is what I've always wanted to do. And my wife was super supportive of it, which was really helpful. And we didn't have kids yet. I was just turned, I just turned 30. It was also like the right time in my life where I was ready to just, follow this dream that we had had for so long and uh you know i'll never forget like that first like the day i quit i was like oh i felt so good and then like the, the next three weeks before we really had a bit like before the company really started it was like the happiest three weeks of my life because i was like i felt free it was like this is what i'm gonna do and then the business starts like oh my god this is so freaking hard so then this like the 10-year journey began so it sounds like 10 years ago all of a sudden you guys want to become this insurgent and you load up this beach house and you start cruising up and down the coast and then you start to develop these patterns and we'll dive into that but you know you go from insurgent to figuring out how to run a business just kind of frame that you yeah know. i mean you have you know generally we had a business plan right so we had you know, a powerpoint presentation a spreadsheet that was like this is what the next five years look like sort of obviously you start and you sort of throw that out the window and you realize like, what, what do we need to do? And like, we realized, you know, the first is what we're saying, the first six months we, we were on the road in this mobile store, just find anywhere and anywhere we could sell, like post it up, have some customers and sell if it was one suit a day, two suits a day. And I had this goal in my mind, I was like, if we can do a thousand dollars a day in sales, like that's a successful day. And so like my, I became obsessed with this idea of like, how do we sell a thousand dollars a day? So like I went to the yoga studios in the Hamptons. I went, you name it. Like I've been there. I've been to parking lots of the Katy Trail Ale House in Dallas. We parked in the in the parking lot once on a Friday. Like just anything and anywhere that we could sell. I got obsessed with it. So yeah, there was like I I wanted this business to succeed because it was we were putting everything into it and 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 I think I was lucky because I had this sort of for me this obsession with like what is how do you make the business like sustainable and successful get it off the ground. And I had Mike who was obsessed with like, how do you create this product? And then, you know, lucky enough, I had my wife, Carrie and my mom who all joined us when we started. And like all four of us sort of had this, like, this is our, this is our company now. Like we all got to do our own thing to make this thing get off the ground. And I think it's hard if, you know, we were lucky to have four of us really living and breathing this thing every day. I mean, my mom ran our warehouse for the first four months in New Jersey, like in a little warehouse by the Jersey Mike's sub headquarters in in Wall, New Jersey. So, you know, so it's just like all these different things uh, allowed us to do that. But it all started with like, we were all in. I think if you would ask us, we would say we're going to be really successful. And like, ask us in year two, we're going to be really, like it just was like an unfazed, this thing is going to work. I think that's back to the insurgent. You know, you're going to go up the hill, backward, blindfolded, you know, grenade in your hand, you got to detonate. Like it's, you're going to do it no matter what. And it's to what degree and what success. How do you detonate the grenade? How do you get up the hill? Like, I, I just think that's ingrained in people that are founders of businesses. Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was ingrained in us. And I think we we looked at it as as always constantly learning and it's just always evolving. Like you always have, especially in fashion, you always have the next season. We've constantly been able to reinvent ourselves in some way. And there's, you know, the DNA and the brand kind of still stays, but like we're always constantly trying to take it to the next level. And that's what's really cool about this industry because of the the product is evolving, you know, it's moving. People are looking for what's new. Um, the seasons change. So the creativity, the juices of creativity never stop. You're always working on the next season. You're always working on the next thing. And I think that combined with like our our like learning mentality of this thing can keep better. Like this actually ended up being like a really great industry for like the combo of Mike and I and Carrie and and my mom to like get into because of just the way we're wired. Well, I think one of the things too is you guys did it around sustainability. I mean, that was a key, you know, you were early on that and you played right into that. But then you also, you know, you get your first full line, I guess, in 2013. Yeah, we, we spent 2013 building the line, selling into retail. Right. And then in 14, we shipped it. We, we wanted this brand always to be some version of fashion mixed with kind of like our surf beach outdoor roots like our first product was the all day short which was made and all of our swimwear was made out of this new technology around recycled polyester so taking plastic water bottles and repurposing them into yarn and that was just kind of happening in like 2010 2011 and we were definitely the first more fashion brand to have any sustainability within their within their swimwear and so that became just ingrained in every decision that we make versus some of these big companies have been doing this forever like having to kind of revert everything back because that's what their customer wants like this is what we wanted right. from the beginning right. we didn't even have any customers yet right <laughs> so as you start to identify you know mike comes from ralph Lauren. you see other people doing interesting things but then in this in the middle of this you kind of have this native tie-in with doug and you can speak to that and you start to develop, you know, whether it's blankets, whether it's you just start to weave in, you know, through the shirts and things like that, the designs of, you know, this whole Native American thing that's happening with your brand. Yeah, I'll take give you the kind of the, the full story on that. So, you know, Ralph Lauren obviously has been a part of kind of the Ralph Lauren DNA for a long time. You've kind of right. seen it here and there. And right. and so obviously Mike, when he was at Ralph, designed a brand called Double RL. Yeah. one of the brands he designs and that's so inspired by the american southwest so we had done done some some things early on in the brand around you know you know, basically copying and appropriating native native prints and native designs and and uh you know probably around 2016 uh my wife carrie who's our chief impact officer was like you know i know people are, people like this but like it's wrong we should we shouldn't appropriate we should really build our network and get to know native designers that can really, we can collaborate with them and they can come in and they can actually be the ones that design it with us. So it's not just a bunch of white people sitting in a design office in, in New York City designing it. It's actually like people who are from different tribes, like different motifs that they grew up with or that represent their life. And that kicked off with Doug. Um, and I think once once the Doug, uh, it's Doug Goodfeather, once the the collaboration with Doug kicked off, like then it's it's moved into Beth and Yellowtail and now Stephen Paul Judd and and uh and Lehigh Thunder Voice Eagle and we have a couple more coming. And what's that allowed us to do is just to, to bring it on a bigger scale. Like each each tribe has a different motif or a different color palette. So like you're seeing that as as the collection um and our native partnerships evolve, like it's just coming from different angles. 
and it's cool. It's made some amazing friendships and and relationships with with the designers. And also, I think we feel good that we're doing it the right way. But it's taken time. You know, it's taken a lot of work internally for us to realize what appropriation is. And and now looking at some other brands, you know, still, you know, what we call is appropriating. But the vibe and the look and the and the culture. And the heritage of of native designs is is amazing. It's such a big part of like America, 100%. and uh, and so I I love it. You know, it's such a cool part of the brand. So 2016 you know, is about the time you start to say, "Hey, retail, we're going to open some stores." All of a sudden, you know, you start to say, "Hey, we're going to be a, a company, and we're going to open stores." And so, tell me, like, you know, thoughts on that? Yeah, you know? we we uh, honestly for the first three years of the business, we were pretty much a wholesale business. Yeah. We got we got some good traction out of the gates, you know, sort of this like vintage surf fashion brand. And it was a time when, when the market was very contemporary and very kind of black, white, and gray right. with like the rags and the Vinces and, right. and that all that stuff was kind of up and coming. So it was like, here's some color and just some vibe. And we ended up, you know, having a good launch. Barney's picked it up when it was still around. Fred Siegel, a bunch of great specialty stores. So we were just like a wholesale. We were basically like a 75%, 80% wholesale business. We had a little online business and we had the mobile store. And then our office, we had a little showroom in the front of our office and on Thompson Street. So that was like our little foray into retail. But we just kind of always knew this was going to be like, retail was going to be a part of the brand. Like my mom's an interior decorator. So like she had, we had someone on the team that kind of knew, had good taste and we just knew it. And we had grown up as kids, you know, as like Jersey kids, you always want to go to California. Unfortunately, my mom's roommate from college lived in LA. So we'd go to California all the time for vacations. And we always would love to go to Malibu to go surfing because that's like the epicenter of, of American surfing. So we'd always go to Malibu. And after Malibu, we'd always get uh, sandwiches at the Malibu Country Mart, which is this great shopping center in Malibu. And we're like, that's going to be our store. When we do our first store, like that's going to be the store. Fortunately, we got in touch with the with the team there and, and uh, Michael Koss and them took a shot at us and we got a great location right on the playground at the country mart and that was our first real store i'll never forget the feeling of like the first saturday when we were in malibu and i was there mike was there carrie was there and the store was just jamming like we were doing business and we were pretty new brand but like people reacting all the clothes and that was like this feeling of like in person sell you know selling to customers seeing their reaction to i like fell in love with that and uh i was like this is this is what i love about doing this is like this in-person experience with clothes and shopping and the culture of the brand and, and the people that work in the store. And, and that was the best thing that ever happened to us. And then from Malibu, we, we were able to get in early to Lido in, in Newport, which is a great center that DJM Capital did. And then we you know kept, kept going. You ever get the scaries when you open a store or do you just kind of know? Uh, You've you got enough research, enough data? Where the business is coming from, we we're talking about the Carolinas. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we haven't had we haven't had one that's that's you know been a been a dog. But we're definitely we've been calculated and careful, and we do a lot of research before we do a store, and just try our best to make sure it's the right location. But you never know until you know. But the interesting thing is, you usually know in the first week, yeah. which is insane. And in the first week or two weeks, like you can know like. Is this going to be a top, middle, bottom, which is insane? And obviously, the stores, every store builds a little bit differently. So right. over time, some will catch up. But 
the predictability of retail has been uh, as someone who like came from finance, I'm like a, I'm definitely like a numbers oriented person. Right. I think one of the reasons also I fell in love is like it's a numbers oriented business. Like right. every day you know your sales. Like and and especially as we as we've expanded our real estate, like it is a math equation. It's like understanding footsteps and and conversion and and what's pe- what are people doing around you and and kind of pulling that all together which is you know online's different it's just like you got a lot more people coming to your site and a lot less people buying and people are coming from everywhere and anywhere so there's not really a strategic thing to real estate and so yeah i, I fell in love with it and and now we're at 50 uh 52 from that first one in the first real one in malibu and opened up in may of 2016. The gratification, man. I think Malibu is one of the coolest places in the U.S. I do. I think it's. I think the country mart's one of the most special assets. But I think to be able to grow, to grow thoughtfully, and then you know you have your name on it. You, your mom, your brother, your wife. I mean, the sense of responsibility that goes with that. You know, I'm sure is. Was there ever a thought not to call it Faraday, or was it? Yeah. So, so it wasn't going to be Faraday until like six months before okay. like we were we we had spent years trying to come up with a name right. and mike mike in his in his college essay actually called it coast to curb was the name which which obviously wasn't the right name and uh it was my wife carrie who was like why don't you guys just name it Faraday? you know she's great because she's like she can look at things and just be it simple it's like everyone else puts their name on it right like why don't you guys just put your name on it like, oh weird put our name on it you know because we're but then yeah then it it was like it's going to be Faraday, and I and I think that that's been, you know, it's it's the right name because it's it's this is what we live and breathe, like the clothes and the culture and the vibe is like an extension of us, and it just is, it's just right. I mean, I've, some people have a hard time pronouncing it and working through that, and uh, but it's it's us. But you guys wear it every day. It's what you live in. I mean, it's what you do. You grow up around it. It felt natural, but you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to put their name on the brand. You know, they, you know, that part is the scary part. You know, what if it doesn't work? If it does, and I think that's the pressure too. You know, you right. put your name on it. There's a there's an extra level of pressure, and I think you got to hold everything to a higher standard. And I think also for us, it's been, I think one of the things like because our name on it is like this thing is going to last forever, right. right? So every decision that we make is like is this is a this is a forever decision, right? That that sort of also I, I think has created a similar, you know, obsession with with the customer, and how people experience the brand. Because in the early days and even today, if people have a bad experience, like they blame me. Right. I am in the end of the day, the buck stops with with us. Like we're the our names on the door. So the level of care, I think, over time that we've realized that you have to put into and attention you put into the customer experience. And I hopefully, you know, that's something we pride ourselves and we hope that that's something that we can continue to build with, you know, hiring great employees and who, who create a great experience for customers. And it's not, it's not just a retailer. Like this is not a retail, like we didn't do Faraday to be a retailer and, and, and go public. Like right. we created Faraday to create this great brand experience for, for customers. And uh, that's just like, feels good. So we met in 2020, I'll never forget, you know, we met in Kiowa. You guys were just like, we got to go now, man. It's you know, it's pandemic. There was there was nothing that had cleared up. I mean, we didn't know, right? It was December of 2020. We still didn't know, but you guys just said, it's time to go, man. Now's our time. Let's hit it. 
And a lot of people sat back and waited, you know, and didn't go till 21 or 22. You guys just started like pedal to the metal of opening. And that takes a lot of guts and a lot of vision to say, this is, you know, this is the way forward. So. Yeah. You know, the, the things that come to mind when I, when I kind of put myself back there is we had a couple of things that benefited us to help us have that perspective. The first one is when COVID hit, we had 12 stores and five of those stores were in what you call like a resort, warm resort location. And once the doors opened on those stores, like once the local ordinance said like business was on fire. So like comps were like in those stores were a hundred percent because everyone was there. No one was in the office anymore. So for us, because our percentage of stores were relatively balanced towards these resort locations versus these big urban, urban stores, like it wasn't that bad for us once, once everything opened. And so we had this perspective into people are still shopping. Like they're shopping with a mask on, they can't try things on and business is still booming. Like, okay, this whole idea that people aren't going to shop in stores anymore is like the dumbest thing ever. It's like these people, they, they felt relatively safe. They were, they hadn't done anything in a long time. So that was like one thing we had going for us. I think the second thing is because we were at the time, you know, 12 stores, like we had a little bit of scale, but like always knew it wasn't enough you know, our, our stores are small. So the volumes aren't, you know, department store type volumes. So we knew we needed scale. And I think the third thing was one of the things we were always really adamant about as we thought about the business plan was like, the end goal of this business is to be a, a 40% e-commerce, 35% retail and 25% wholesale business. That was in our initial original business plan. And that was like, that's where we want our channel split to be. And so as we were modeling out and thinking about like, okay, what does the next three years look like? And you saw e-commerce become this huge share of your business. We're like, all right, e-commerce took such share. Like we need, we're going to need retail to come to catch up to it at some point. And so we knew that retail was going to continue to be a part of the business. And we had the stores were doing okay, the ones in, especially the ones in the resort locations. And so we knew that financially, if we're going to scale, timing is really important. And I remember hearing a podcast from the guy who started Panera and he talks about during the 2008 recession, he has this comment about like everything just got cheaper. You could just do so much more if you were willing to expand in the worst of times. And I, I just, that resonated with me. And I just remember when all, all this stuff of like retail is dead, I was like, this is our time. Like this is, the, that podcast was like in my head. And then we, you know, we had a list, we, we knew where we wanted to go and to your point, there wasn't many people looking. And so it allowed us to to open up stores with a lot less capital than we would have otherwise needed to have and, and get some great real estate and lock it in for term. And Well, I think that's smart, but I think also, you knew, like I said, you get more resources, you get people. I was visiting with your manager. Obviously, people get attracted to come to work for you, so you get better resources. You're able to attract the talent, and the bar just gets higher and higher. And higher and yeah and better. we were able to get you know some great talent in those 21 21 22 stores because like we were new and and even you know you know sarah who you met from one paseo which is our store in delmar like she's been with us since we opened the store and you know if you can build a great experience not just for the customers but for the employees like they become the number one brand ambassadors like I, I say it every team meeting or every time we have i'm like you are the most important part of this company right. like everyone else i love like I love all of you, but like when it comes to like, what is the most important thing that is happening to this company is you are experiencing the customer in person every day. 
And that is a lot harder than anything else that we're doing. And it's, I think it's like that attention and that focus is not necessarily what all other brands approach it, especially these like modern, you know, modern digitally native brands. I think they are your front line. I mean, they're your first line of defense, you know? And so if, if they're great, you know, it makes the business that much better. Right. You know, so just kind of walking through, was there a tipping point when you got to a certain amount of stores where you just said, was it 25? You're now at 52 where you just said, all right, we can now see our path to do this. Yeah. I think it's when we had a, like a store number count doesn't come into mind. I think it's when we or a had store. Yeah. You know, I, a I think it's, store yeah, I think it's when we had, you know, historically those 11 stores were in Northeast resorts and Southeast beach town, South, right. South you know, right, Southern right. California beach town. <laughs> so like there wasn't many shots on right. goal for those right. first 11. Like, so I would say, you know, it was, it was really once we went, you know, down South into the middle of the country, like obviously we had some wholesalers, e-commerce business, but like, right. you know, so I was like, I remember I, I came in May when we opened up at the Domain North side, uh, and it was a Saturday kind of raise, like you know May 2021, so COVID was, and it was just jamming. And I was like, all right, this is gonna be this is gonna be good. And then we opened up in Kiowa that summer, uh, and then Charleston, and then Nashville, and I was like, we we thought they would be good, like right. instinctively we thought they would be good, just right. but significantly surpassed our expectations. Because we were like a coastal brand, you know, that was like our vibe. So obviously the product assortments evolved and we opened up in, in Big Sky now in Jackson and we have mountain stores and like winter's a bigger season for us. But all these different things have gotten us more comfortable that we can have this kind of like nuanced retail business. It's like, it's got mountains, it's got it's got beaches, it's got sub, some suburban streets, it's got, you know, maybe, you know, these great regional lifestyle centers. Like it can be, it doesn't just need to be like, this is the way other people have done it before us. Let's figure out our own new way to build retail. And that's why we have, we have 600 square foot stores. We have 5,000 square foot stores. We have, everything's just nuanced. It's like, how do you make everything a little bit more interesting and unique for that customer who, who's going to go from this store to this store? It's like, that's a totally different store. Like, and we actually are constantly thinking about that. Well, that's back to being the insurgent, you know, not just laying a footprint out and saying, we're just going to repeat the same thing. It's just a different mindset. It's a great way to grow a business. But, you know, as you talked the Hamptons is three or four months, but the volumes are crazy. The mountains, longer winter. I've heard that, you know, some of your best sellers are your best sellers in every market. Maybe the all day short. Speak to that. Yeah, and then that, just women's business. Yeah, you know. that's been a really interesting phenomenon. Yeah, it's like the best seller is the best seller is the best seller. And obviously there's some nuances to it. And seasonality is a little bit different, but like California and New York and Texas in the wintertime oddly sell the same stuff. And then women's, we, we really kind of started building the women's business in 21. And uh, it's definitely the next thing for us. And we're seeing that we're seeing it, it build and becoming a bigger part of our business. And we've revamped our women's design team and merchandising team. And it's, it's exciting. Our, our spring launch for women's this year with kind of a whole, the whole new team put together has been super successful. And so now it's, it's fun because one, it's obviously a better overall just customer experience that women come in and they like to close a little bit more. I think, too, it's also giving us more opportunity to think about size and building, you know, how we think about the stores and where we build the stores and how we build the stores to really have women be a bigger, women's be a bigger component of it. And and even uh, the last couple of months, women's has been about 50% of our online business. So for a brand that's been historically a men's brand, it's been great to see, like, with the right product, even though it's still early days, like, that the, the traction happening. So just in wrapping up, you know, I'd love to kind of explore Alex 
you know, what you do, what you like, you know, I think you're a big sports guy. You got what a great sports town. You forget that New York, it all happens kind of right here. We were talking about you go to the garden. It's right here. Yeah. The gardens, the garden's been great. Rangers obviously had a great regular season. They lost the devils, which was cool. There's the devils, Rangers in the playoffs, but New York is really, basketball is really the, the Knicks are the team that makes the city really, really tick. Cause you're right. It's in the heart of it. So I, I watch just about every Knicks game. Like I'm that's, that's my jam. And besides that, uh, got a great family. I got two kids, my wife, we live down in my hometown on the Jersey shore and, uh, you know, been able to surf more than now that I'm, I live about 500 yards from the ocean. So it's quite a difference from living in Brooklyn all those years. And, uh, I have this sort of like every day wake up this gratitude that I get to kind of do do the thing I was supposed to do, which is cool. So one of the things we like to explore, you know, when we're visiting with guests is kind of the hidden gem of the East Coast is or New York City or your hometown. You know, what's the hidden gem? All right. So I'm gluten free. So I'm always looking for what's the best gluten free. And uh, the hardest thing, obviously, is pizza. And I found the best gluten-free pizza in the whole entire world. And it's at a place called Del Rocco's in Brooklyn Heights. It's freaking insane. And then there's uh, a donut, a gluten-free donut that's just mind-blowing uh, at a place called Donut Plant here in the city. So my whole, you know, for I've been gluten-free for 20, 20 years. And so for 20 years, I had a hard time getting anything good in pizza and donuts. And now I got my spots. All right. And then lastly, just what do you think everybody should see? When they come to New York City, what's or, or to the Jersey Shore? Yeah. Both. Uh, so when they come to New York City, it's just experiencing the food. You know, just the amount of restaurants that are here is amazing. I, I think I always tell everyone like, you got to go to the West Village. You got to go to the West Village and just walk down the walk around those cool townhome streets with the great little restaurants and cafes. It's like I think it's the greatest neighborhood in New York by far. So I highly suggest that. And then on the Jersey Shore, I mean, Jersey's got a bad rap as you know, uh, and just come and see how beautiful the beach is in New Jersey. And and it's, I've been now luckily to be on all these coastal beach towns across the US. And I don't think there's a better one than this, than this little area that we live in. So uh, if you're in New York and you want a beach day, come down to the Spring Lake area. It's, it's pretty money. And then lastly, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me, you know, my, our company's closed at veritybrand.com. So check it out. And then I'm relatively active on LinkedIn at uh, Alex Faraday. I'm around. You may see me in one of our stores. I, I, I'm in. I'm in our stores all the time, and love meeting with customers. So if you see me anywhere, just come say hi. I really want to thank you for your time today, Alex. It was great being here in the city with you. Just seeing, you know, the hustle and bustle of the city, and you know, you guys have built something really special. You and your brother and your family. You should be proud. Thanks, Ward. Uh, yeah, it's fun showing you the, the shop in Columbus and, and coming and spend some time with you. And, and uh, it's a great looking shirt on you. So thanks. Thanks for looking sharp. This has been Backstory and Beyond, hosted by Ward Camp. To learn more about Northwood Retail or the destinations from today's episode, visit BackstoryBeyond.com.